Hello students and welcome back to another Lore of the Iron Kingdoms with me, Professor Caster. Today we're going to be discussing the Warlocks of the Trollbloods, their training, uh, their magic, their connection to the true troll, the, all the fun stuff that goes with this particular faction. Um, we are not going to be discussing any uh, Warlocks in particular. Um, we're going to actually be saving those guys and those guys for the following courses. Uh, we're going to start off with the Warlocks of Note. Um, and the following courses, and then we're going to be grouping up the you know smaller portions of warlocks that are not as well known in the history. Uh, but before we begin, thank you guys so much for listening to this course. And if you're enjoying it, please like, subscribe, let your friends and fellow gamers know so we can keep this steam train rolling and increase the class size because that always helps. And thank you again, Private Press, for letting us read your fantastic lore. But let's begin. Warlocks of the Trollbloods. While Creole villages are governed by councils of esteemed elders, it is the warlocks that all troll can look to command them in times of crisis, such as when the enemies threaten to overwhelm the Creels, their warlocks power over monstrous trolls, and their powerful spells and abilities are that that allow the Trollbloods to emerge victorious even when outnumbered by formidable foes. Trollkin warlocks share a deep connection with the trolls that follow them into battle, and it is commonly held that all Trollkin are related, descended, and evolved from the first mythical hyper-generative troll kings. Because most Trollkins believe this unity originated from Dunia herself, the mother of all, warlocks are leaders with a status that is equal parts war chieftain and in the embodiment of the goddess's wrath. Warlocks and Magic Trollkins believe that various types of magic they practice are all blessings of Dunia, a sign that the goddess favors them. This spiritual approach to magic does not diminish its potency compared to the methodological approach of the civilized nations. The majority of Trollkin warlocks are shamans of Dunia or sorcerers from birth, and they utilize their warlock abilities as natural extensions of their devotion to their goddess or their innate sorcery. Dunia shamans can be found in nearly every creel, serving the needs of their communities. Shamans are not born with their powers, but feel drawn to serve the goddess as a calling, and through their connection with her, they can manifest powerful spells, some of them akin to minor miracles. Trollkins are deeply spiritual people, and hold their shamans in high regard. They particularly honor those who become warlocks, believing these individuals to be special emissaries of Dunia. The shamans who control trolls tend to be more are the most warlike and can tap into the destructive nature of the goddess in addition to her traditional aspects of fertility, seasonal cycle, and growth. While being a shaman is a calling, sorcerers are born with their talents, which naturally awaken in adolescence or later. Most Trollkin sorcerers are easy to recognize, as they are usually born albino. Trollkin albinos are sometimes smaller in stature, but are often especially intelligent and gifted with unusual power. Trollkin communities greatly value such individuals for the benefit their abilities bring to their creels. Not every sorcerer is an albino, but being albino is thought to bring with it greater capacity to wield magic. Regardless of magical tradition, Trollkins have an affinity for elemental magic, which they associate with the seasonal aspects of the Great Mother. Earth magic is pervasive among the creels, especially those in the mountains and forests. Stone sorcerers, called rune shapers, can use their magic to wrench rock from the soil and hurl it at their enemies, or summon rapidly forming stone barriers to intercept bullets. It is common for Trollkin with arcane gifts to wield magic shaped by their environment, such as the ice magic known among the Northkin, who can summon freezing winds or blizzards of impenetrable snow. 
Warlocks also bring these powers to bear, broadening the scope of the spells at their disposal by tapping into the latent animi within the bestial trolls. As warlocks summon their magic, they give it form and shape through runes, which briefly appear in the air as a glowing sigils when their spell is cast. The shape of these sigils represent runes carved on creel stones in villages across western Imorin. It is through these abstract symbols and the will and power take tangible form and the energies of the spell are invoked. The Trolkan runic alphabet is ancient, dating back to the Mulgar alliance. Though the kin have adapted the runes over the centuries to make them their own, Trolkans have placed these runes on countless stone shits and talismans, on scrolls containing rubbings of, from noteworthy creel stones, and on slabs borne into battle to augment the warriors around them. And then we have a little side note here. Rune stones and scrolls. Many Trolkan warlocks carry ornate stone talismans or wear necklaces or bracelets or charms adorned with mogul runes. More than mere affection, uh, affectations, these devices often are inscribed with ancient prayers and words of power. While some bear only cultural significance, others are imbued with true power that aids their owners on the battlefield. In addition to the runestones, some Trolkan warlocks, particularly Dunia shamans, carry massive scrolls sealed in heavy stone or metal scrolls tubes typically consisting of rubbing ceremonials taken from sacred creel stones and echoing some of their great power. These scrolls contain ancient lore or describe an epic deed of an ancestor. Certain mythical rituals and especially potent spells require these scrolls, which are kept close by against such occasions when they might be needed. Alright, let's continue reading. Connection to the true trolls. The fact that Trollkins have close blood ties to all other trolls is taken for granted, but it is not always this way. Only within the last decade have dire trolls been welcomed to fight alongside Creole warriors. These powerful brutes were previously thought too savage to coexist with their smaller brethren. The awakening of the Troll Kings, thought for some time to be mo no more than a fanciful legend, is more recent still. The friendlier, full-blood trolls that have been living with the Trollkin and fighting alongside the kin for centuries. But even they were once shunned. There was an era in the ancient past when Trollkins denied kinship with these simpler-minded brutes. In that time, the kin took pride in their greater intelligence and culture, including their ability to work stone and metal, which set them apart from the trolls. The Dunia's awakening that followed the shattering of the Mulgar tribes saw shamans return to commune with their distant kin. Some felt a stirring in their minds and discovered they could mentally connect with trolls and create a lasting bond that allowed them to draw strength and vitality from them. Early war warlocks proved their prowess in marching into battle alongside their mightier full-blooded warbeasts. Warlocks now regularly bond with trolls, both great and small. A warlock connecting mind to mind with a troll is a profound experience for both. A relationship that awakens the mind of the troll and opens the way to new capabilities. It is only amid their, this relationship and subsequent training and fighting that a formerly wild troll transforms into a war beast, as much as an ally as a weapon. Along with being able to communicate mentally with their nearby trolls, a warlock can also feel their emotions, see through their eyes, and hear through their ears, broadening battlefield awareness. The trolls are capable of relatively complex thinking and can use rudimentary speech, two traits that help them stand apart from the most war beasts used by the other warlocks, though their minds are simple compared to the warlocks training them. While there are exceptions, the larger trolls are more savage and less intelligent. 
while the smallest trolls are cleverer and milder in temperament. Elemental trolls like the Peer or Slag Troll are more dim-witted than others of their size, though they're easier to manage than the ravenous and temperamental Dire Trolls and Troll Kings. All trolls have personalities, and their quirks and traits evolve as they bond with the Warlock deepens over time. The different breeds of trolls have distinct temperaments, varied intelligence, and differing degrees of fondness for their smaller cousins. Yet once a warlock bonds with a troll, he can mentally control it, reshaping its behavior either through subtle pressures or overt domination. It is not uncommon for a warlock to have different relationships with each of his trolls, sharing close bonds of loyalty with some, while in others' cases feeling only wary respect or barely restrained animosity. Still, compared to other groups, it is more common for Trollkin Warlocks and Troll Warbeasts to form powerful relationships that can last until death. Trolls develop powerful emotion bonds to those that live and fight beside, even beyond the Warlock with whom they could share mental connection. Such trolls willingly enter battle and defend allies and need little mental prodding. For this reason, Trollkin Warlocks may speak to their trolls, giving verbal instructions sometimes to get better results than compelling the beast to do their bidding. Mental controls is used to guide a troll's attacks to augment their effectiveness by tapping to their inner essence through spells called animi, or to direct them to attack specific enemies. Warlocks often need to seize control to restrain the trolls from eating things or people it shouldn't. Always a risk, especially with the larger ones. The prodding of the warlocks can also help trolls regenerate more quickly than it would do naturally. Well, that seems very different from the druids, because I feel like if a druid's war beast outside of the rocks they use, and I'm talking Orboros druids, not not other races druids, but I feel like uh, if any of those war beasts got out, they would just kill everything, so they don't develop any kind of affinity to one thing or another. I think even the warlocks that uh, that breed them are usually covered with some kind of injuries. So, in the Circle Obros, not not the Trollkin. Well, even if the Trollkin are injured, they have regenerative traits, so things that would kill lesser men, uh, it's seen as mild inconvenience for Trollkin. But moving on, back to the reading. Among the most powerful benefits of a warlock receives from his connection with his warbeast is the ability to escape potentially fatal wounds by mystically transferring injuries to these powerful creatures. As resilient as Trollkin are, true trolls are much more hardy, capable of recovering from even traumatic injuries in mere minutes. This ability lets the warlock endure damage that would kill a dozen Trollkin warriors. Damage transfer does have its costs. Such damages can overwhelm or kill a troll, especially if massive trauma is transferred to one that is already wounded and hasn't had the opportunity to regenerate. A cunning warlock can survive a harrowing clash and keep all his beasts alive by being careful not to overtax any one of them. Spreading the burden and afterward allowing his trolls to glut themselves on fallen enemies to regenerate their wounds. Because of this rapid healing, a Trollkin warlock and his battle group are capable of going from one fight to another with little concern for fatigue or lasting injury. This trait alone multiplies the martial might of the Trollbloods far beyond their number and has allowed them to fight on equal terms with considerably more numerous adversaries. A battle that might take humans weeks to recover from, requiring retreating for repairing wrecked warjacks at specialized shops might set back a Trollkin warlock and his trolls only a single day. Some warlocks go to greater lengths to preserve their lives of their trolls, yet sometimes sacrifices must be made. As a battlefield leader, a warlock must weigh the consequences of casualties of his warriors and his warbeasts. Given this rarity and power of a warlock, 
Their preservation is paramount for the good of all Trollkin. After battle, a warlock might mourn the death of a fallen war beast, a sentimentally unheard of among the callous wilderness people. While there often exist strong bonds between warlocks and trolls, and large warbands or groups of allied creels, it is common to consider trolls a communal resource. In situations where multiple warlocks are working together to fight off their enemies, trolls are regularly exchanged between them. Some warlocks are skilled at training trolls and can ready them for others to employ to battle. In some large villages, there are there may be any number of trolls occupied with general duties like heavy labor, but standing ready for a warlock to take charge of them when required to defend the community. Status in Trollkin society. Successful warlocks almost always rise to positions of leadership, both in settled villages and among embattled Trollkin forces. Their arcane might, battle prowess, and other capabilities combined with the might of their trolls makes them the greatest war chief, a role for which they are especially well suited. Those who demonstrate their wisdom and skill in battle attract many followers among the Trollkin. The diversity of Trollkin traditions and of warlocks drawn from across Trollkin society have created a tenuous power structure within the United Creels. As warlocks of vastly different ideals, various argue and collaborate to safeguard their people. Almost without exception, the foremost leader of each region, region's armed Trollkins are warlocks. Harlock Doomshaper, Madrak Ironhide, Grizzle a Bloodsong, Borka Kegslayer, and others stand at the forefront of a sizable confederation of allied Creels, together making up the United Creels. These warlocks rely on the support of Creel elders and other war chiefs and shamans within their communities, but each possess a clout and stature greater than any other of their kin. Even warlocks who have deliberately eschewed or refused such responsibilities are often sought out by embattled Creels in the hopes of persuading them to intervene. Their abilities are too great for them to sit idle. Alrighty, well, that completes our Warlocks of the Trollbloods. Honestly, I feel like as far as, you know, the other factions that we've read for the Warlocks, these guys seem to have the most closer bonds with their with their war beasts they work with. Of course, maybe that's because they're technically all trolls, just of varying sizes and, you know, different, different uh, ways of life type of situation. But I don't know. I like the Trollblood, uh, Trollblood Warlocks. I think they're cool. I think they're... And trolls they have running around with them are even more terrifying, um, especially the fact that these troll warlocks can actually control these, you know, dire trolls. So that's kind of cool. But that will do it today. If you guys are enjoying this, please like, subscribe. Let me know how you are enjoying the troll bloods. Let me know if you have any cool stories about troll blood armies you've gone up against or you've played. Thank you again, Private Your Press, for letting us read your fantastic lore. I know this is a shorter video than we have been doing for the past. Uh, month I think but the past month we were doing long history lore videos which uh, the history lore is always significantly longer because we don't always have well we do always have a lot of information we have to go over with those videos but we will be keeping them relatively short in the 20 minute range for now unless of course we go over a larger storyline depending on what we're doing but thank you again and as always class dismissed <laughs>